Today I'm going to start with two different stories about challengers to Joe Biden and Donald Trump, respectively, in their 2024 primaries for Joe Biden, the Democratic primary for Donald Trump, the Republican primary. We're going to start with some really interesting clips from an interview that Fox News propagandist did last night with Bobby Kennedy Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's running as a Democrat in the Democratic primary challenging Joe Biden. Now, I don't know whether I need to rehash my overall view about challengers to incumbent presidents running for reelection, but to be 100 percent clear, I support challenges to incumbent presidents. Joe Biden doesn't have any uh, particular claim to the Democratic nomination just because he's an incumbent. Anybody who wants to run against him should. I would like to see debates. I get why the DNC isn't going to do them, because why would you ever put your uh, current president from your party in a position where they can really only damage themselves? And I understand why the DNC isn't going to do debates. It's not unique to the Democratic Party. It's not unique to Joe Biden. It's not unique to 2024. That being said, the current challengers to Joe Biden, Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson are not particularly impressive to me. Now, before we get to the interview, you have to understand something really specific that's going on with right wing media and the people challenging Biden right now, meaning Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson was also interviewed by Hannity last night. We're not going to look at that interview today, but maybe we will later in the week. And one of the things you have to understand is that Kennedy and Marianne Williamson are useful to right wing media as ways to criticize Joe Biden and to criticize the Democratic Party. They don't actually find these candidacies interesting on their merits. The Bobby Kennedy one is interesting because it's an anti vax candidacy. So that might be one way in which it is interesting. But when Hannity interviews Marianne Williamson, if you look at that interview, there was a whole bunch of focus on most five, six times trying to get Marianne Williamson to say she believes Joe Biden is suffering from severe cognitive decline. It's not because Hannity thinks Marianne's platform is valuable that he's having her on. He's having her on to try to get her to attack Biden on something he wants to see Biden attacked on. And similar similarly with Bobby Kennedy Jr., it's not that the anti-vax actually is interesting, but it's just another way to criticize Democrats and to attack the DNC. OK, so that's the context of why these right wing shows are interviewing people like Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson. That all being said, Sean Hannity asked Bobby Kennedy Jr. Since you're an environmentalist, are you swearing off private jet travel? And Bobby Kennedy Jr. fails hard. This is an example of what happens when you're totally unprepared. Bobby says, and again, remember, Bobby's a nice guy. I had dinner with him once. We have many friends in common, blah, 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 blah. But I, I think the candidacy is ridiculous. I think his anti-vax activism is ridiculous. He first says he is not someone who regularly flies on private jets or he kind of is like, I don't fly on them much. Totally unprepared. And this just looks terribly. This is it looks terribly. Look at this. You are getting on a private jet. Have you given up all use of private jets because <laughs> of your environmental views? I was literally laughing out loud when I saw this this morning. Are you really going back to that, Sean? I've well, never that's a, that way, but that's a simple question. Jets. Did you? Are you pledging to never? Do, have you I'm given not. up the use of private jets, Sean? I don't fly on private jets. I don't regularly fly on private jets. I don't regularly fly on private. Oh, okay. I'm not regularly. giving up any use if somebody, if they're. Yeah, listen, I've never objected to people flying. I'm not, on listen, I'm not I, I think this climate alarmist stuff is a bunch of crap. <laughs> so I don't care if you do or not, but if you're claiming to be a big environmentalist, you shouldn't be flying on a private jet, right? I'm not. No, that's, I'm not that kind of environmentalist. I believe <laughs> that. Listen, I, I. He's a private jet environmentalist, guys. I have been fighting for against pollution on the rivers and water, against coal and pollution, against carbon pollution because of the toxicity of those things. I have not told people that they shouldn't fly on private jets. 
Okay. <laughs> this is really bad, guys. This is also so stupid because listen, private jet. I mean, all jet, the, the harvesting, refining and burning of jet fuel pollutes rivers. You know, he, he's acting like, no, I focus on like DuPont leaking chemicals into a river. Oh, rivers. Well, OK, what do you think happens with the production and the burning of jet fuel all over the country? It gets some of it gets into rivers. It, this is just a, it's not serious. This is not this is none of this is serious. This is embarrassing and humiliating. And it is a gotcha from Sean Hannity. It is a gotcha from Sean Hannity. But it's one that you've got to be prepared for. You really have to be prepared for it. There was another moment I want to look at here where and remember, Bobby Kennedy's Democratic campaign is one that is extraordinarily pro Putin. It's conspiratorial. It's anti vax. It's a lot of things that the, the kind of do I want to call it the regressive left likes? We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. He brings up a, a totally unfounded conspiracy theory about what's going on in Ukraine. And by the way, what we're doing in Ukraine is not good for the Ukrainian people. We have killed 300,000 Ukrainian troops, 14,000 civilians. Well, Europe, Europe has stepped up. We have not killed any Ukrainian troops. We have not killed any Ukrainian troops. I'm trying to think what on earth is he talking about? What could he mean? We've killed 300,000 Ukrainian troops. Russia has maybe I don't know if that's even the number. Russia has killed Ukrainian troops, but only if you interpret this to mean that we, the U.S. caused, induced or forced Russia to invade Ukraine. Could you say we have anything to do with the killing of Ukrainian troops? So this is really bonkers stuff. Just a chaos agent per Steve Bannon, right? To use a Steve Bannon term, this is a chaos agent. And my colleague John sent me this article this morning from the New Republic. The article's called Who Are These Supposed Lefties Who Love Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? And if you read the article and if you just look around online, you very quickly realize that even though he's nominally running as a Democrat, Bobby Kennedy Jr. is running a sort of combination pro Putin, uh, anti US sort of campaign. It's appealing to those folks who are often in league with people like Bashar al Assad and uh, Vladimir Putin and the Maduro Chavez regime of Venezuela. And then it's also people who dabble in anti vax, people who dabble in anti science, conspiracy theorists, opportunists, etc. It's certainly not a progressive campaign. Um, and to even call it a democratic leaning campaign uh, doesn't really make sense. So that's what's going on on the Democratic side. People challenging Joe Biden. And again, I say challenge him, bring everybody in. Everybody should run, run against him. OK, but that doesn't mean I have to celebrate and welcome every individual campaign. Let's now talk briefly about the side challenging Donald Trump. So we don't yet know whether Ron DeSantis, the Republican Florida governor, is going to enter the race and challenge Donald Trump's seemingly uh, unchangeable path to the Republican nomination. One guy we know is running is Vivek Ramaswamy. And I'm going to play for you. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. This is basically just almost satire at this point. Vivek Ramaswamy was interviewed on Fox News and he now is jumping into the tears in my eyes stories. I don't understand what the obsession is with with people crying for these Republicans. But you may know that Trump is known for telling stories, most of which we believe are made up of people coming to him crying with tears in their eyes. And Eric Trump sometimes will jump into it. Donald Trump will sometimes tell these stories. And the way these stories go is, you know, Eric Trump will say, listen, I boarded a JetBlue flight the other day. I fly commercial all the time. And as I boarded, everybody stood up and cheered. And a couple of guys came up to me and they were crying and they were saying, you've been treated so unfairly. We've got your dad's back. And then usually we listen to that story and we go, nobody was doing that. Nobody nobody burst into tears on a JetBlue flight over uh, Eric Trump just being there. So anyway, it's the with tears in my eyes stories. Vivek Ramaswamy now claims that at one of his events, a guy came in wearing a MAGA shirt. The guy it went up to ask a question, started crying and then abandoned supporting Trump and decided to support Vivek Ramaswamy. Our friend Aaron Rupar tweeted, filed this under things that didn't happen. Take a listen to this. One of the people who actually stood up at that same event 
was somebody who walked in with the Trump shirt, broke down in tears as he asked the question, thinking about the country and what we were doing for his children, said he was switching over to vote for me. I'm absolutely <laughs> running for the presidency. Could that possibly be true? Like it, it also to honestly. There's nothing wrong with crying. There is nothing wrong with crying. And if anything, we maybe have a lot of people who have been sort of culturally conditioned not to express emotion. So this is not about there's, there's nothing wrong with crying. But what what sort of circumstances would lead to you being a Trump supporter? But you go, I'm going to go to Vivek's event, but I'm going to wear my MAGA shirt. And then when they do questions, you say, even though I'm a Trump supporter, I'm going to ask a question. And then in the course of asking the question, you're so overcome with emotion for how wonderful what Vivek is proposing is a guy who's polling what three percent that you break down in tears and say, I'm abandoning my support for Trump and now I support you while crying. It's either an obvious lie or a sign of extraordinary emotional instability. Nothing wrong with crying. That scenario strikes me as bonkers, totally and completely bonkers. So do we believe this? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You tell me whether you think that story could even possibly be true. One of our sponsors today is Happy Hippo offering super quality lab tested Kratom. Kratom, also known as Mitragena speciosa, is an herbal leaf from Southeast Asia known for its soothing and uplifting properties. We've talked about it on the show before. Some people compare it to coffee, others to CBD, but with a much more pronounced effect. You can take it with water, use it to make tea. The quality of Kratom that you buy online or at stores can really vary. And if you use Kratom, Happy Hippo is where you want to go. With over 10 years of experience in the business, Happy Hippo only offers top shelf alkaloid rich Kratom products. No grainy, cheap stuff. All the batches are consistent and lab tested for purity. If you ever run into a batch you don't like, they'll replace it. No questions asked. Happy Hippo offers same day shipping. They often ship within just 20 minutes of you ordering. And Happy Hippo has the happiest customer service you'll find anywhere. Always glad to answer your questions. And they're giving my audience 20% off when you go to happyhippo.com slash Pacman and use the coupon code Pacman. That's happyhippo.com slash Pacman. Coupon code Pacman saves you 20%. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's Better, H-E-L-P.com slash Pacman Show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Fume. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad part from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award winning device that does exactly that. Fume is not electronic. There's no vapor or harmful chemicals. Fume is just a delicious flavored air that makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts, which is great for fidgeting, which can be great for people breaking bad habits. Look at what people online are saying. They weren't sure what to expect, but ended up loving the taste and the feel. Stopping is something lots of people put off because it's difficult to do. 
but switching to fume is easy and enjoyable. There's no reason that you can't be the next fume success story. Head on over to tryfume.com and use the code Pacman to save 10%. When you get the journey pack, which comes with the device and three flavors, that's tryfum.com. Code Pacman saves you 10% on the journey pack. The info is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show is, of course, an audience supported program. We really just will do this for as long as people want us to do it and uh, for as long as we have the resources to do it. And much of that comes from you by signing up at joinpacman.com. We offer the commercial free show every single day in audio or video form to all of our members. We also do an extra show every single day called the bonus show. And we have a whole bunch of other great perks you can read about at joinpacman.com. We are going to look at part two of Carrie Lake versus Piers Morgan. Now, this is a I find these conversations genuinely interesting. I'm not a big Piers Morgan fan. And as I've said before, uh, I I now just ignore requests from his show to be on because they've now like four times. David, can you be on in two hours? We're going to send a car. Blah, blah, blah. And then it's just like gets canceled, you know, five minutes before. And it's just a waste of everybody's time. I find them unprofessional. I think that the show is kind of a mess. But every once in a while, Piers does a really good interview. Last time that um, Piers Morgan interviewed Carrie Lake, who, of course, lost her gubernatorial race in Arizona, uh, she really made herself out to look like a fool. And she was in London um, over the weekend or over the last few days. She did another interview with Piers Morgan. And these go so terribly. And of course, I don't think Carrie Lake realizes it. She promotes it as I face down Piers Morgan or whatever. Uh, Piers Morgan accurately tells her, listen, stop going back. You you lost in 2020. Wouldn't it be better? I'm sorry, 2022. Wouldn't it be just better to stop talking about how Trump won 2020 and stop talking about how you won 2022? You guys didn't win and look forward. And Carrie Lake apparently doesn't agree because she's got to keep the grift going. You and Trump both refuse to accept the result of Democratic elections. And I say to you, in all sincerity, I think it's a it's a it's a vote losing that's premise. Fine. That's fine to yeah. keep saying yeah. I didn't lose when you did. You're better off going. Pierce, I lost I, that time. Next time I'm going to win. Pierce, yeah. I totally understand that. I understand what you're saying. And I would just ask this. When you voted, when was the last time you voted? Right here. Yes. Uh, in the last election. OK, so you voted. If you would shown up and they said you're going to wait five hours and 61 percent of the polling locations had function non-functioning equipment. None of this is true. Remember, you waited five hours. You showed up to vote and the tabulator refused your ballot. And they said, you know what? Go down the road. Drive to carry, you have to. Prove Would you this. be OK with that? You have to prove all we this. have proven. You it. haven't proven that. We have proven it. You haven't. It's been independently established. You haven't proven these I allegations. Were, I wish you were there. I wish you, you say were you were robbed. Trump says he was. I've looked Trump in the face and I've liked Donald personally a long time. But I said to him, I don't know why you keep saying you won the 2020. Nobody wants it. to go back because they think they raise money on it. I don't know if they still do. Look forward, offer America a, a positive future. Give them a reason to vote for you it's next wonderful. time. Bang in on about 2020. Yeah, listen, I agree completely with what Piers is saying, and it really does seem, you know, the, there was a while where it seemed like it was actually good strategy to keep harping on that. And there was a while where the balance seemed clear. You're attracting more people and money than you're turning off by continuing to talk about how you were robbed, even though many Republicans still do believe Trump won in 2020 and some believe Kerry Lake won in 2022. At this point, it seems like it's becoming increasingly a net negative because it just doesn't offer a vision of anything. And what's even more delusional is that in a subsequent moment during this interview, Carrie Lake, when she's asked by peers about, listen, are you going to run for Senate now in Arizona? She continues to talk about getting the right outcome for the 2022 election. Again, we are now five and a half months from the anniversary of her losing in Arizona, and she is still claiming we're fighting it. We're fighting it. Katie Hobbs is the governor of Arizona. That's it. But she keeps talking about. You want to be senator? I want to see free elections. Answer my question. You want to be joining the senator? I'm not sure what my future holds. To be honest, I'm working right now on our election case. That's the center of my. Would you like to be senator of Arizona? And and if for some reason we don't get a fair outcome in our election, I will run for senate. Most likely. You will. Most likely. 
So you're declaring now? No, I'm saying most likely if we don't have a fair outcome in now, of course, she's not going to be crowned governor of Arizona. So I guess she's saying she's going to run for Senate. She calls it getting a fair outcome. What she means is somehow stealing, somehow kicking Haiti Hobbs out of office, which is not going to happen. Katie Hobbs is the governor. Um, so I guess she's saying she's going to run for Senate. Our election case that I may consider running for Senate. And if Donald, right Trump, now, if Donald Trump says to you, he wants you to be his running mate, <laughs> what do you say? We've had this conversation. Come on. I said, if the royal family invites you in and they want you to come in. I and, said, yes. You said, yes, good for you, good for you. <laughs> Would you, know you do it, though? I don't think President Trump needs a vice president. He's that powerful. Well, he's <laughs> that's a cop. That's a cop out if I've ever heard one. We know Kerry is desperate to be Trump's VP. Desperate, desperate to be Trump's VP. But that's really something. Trump is so good. He doesn't even need a vice president. Wow, there's an idea. If he runs, he's that powerful as a leader. He doesn't really need one. Mm. But I do hope he picks somebody who the media fears more than they fear him. Is that you? And you know why I think he should do that? <laughs> because then they'll stop trying to take him down. All right. So th I mean, you can get the gist of just how completely debased and disconnected from reality Carrie Lake is. We're, we'll look at one more clip of this. In this one, um, Carrie Lake pulls out the uh, big pharma's controlling everything thing. And this is the context of saying we can't really talk about the truth of vaccines. It's an anti-vax rant riddled in an anti-corporate rant. You can't talk about big pharma just like you can't talk about the talk military about like. industrial complex like. because they control the media. Carrie, you nobody controls about, me. You cannot talk about big pharma. Famously, nobody controls me. You what? cannot. No, 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 you can't talk about big pharma right now. You can't talk about how dangerous the vaccines are. Well, but that's not true. You can't talk about. I how don't think the vaccines the were dangerous. Really? No. You're not seeing some of the consequences. No, of I this? think the vaccines actually were remarkably safe. Okay. Let's talk about something we could probably agree on. Yeah, the vaccines were remarkably safe. I wish they worked better at preventing transmission, but the vaccines were extraordinarily safe. And so this is this is a common refrain. So. This you really have to go beyond just a single sentence and delve into this whole big pharma control sort of thing. It is absolutely true that pharmaceutical companies are large advertisers on TV. Most countries don't even allow direct to consumer advertising. Uh, you know, do you feel tired in the morning? You might be suffering from what, right? They spend a ton of money advertising their products. They spend money with pharmaceutical rep like that's all absolutely true. They are profit driven. All of those things are absolutely true. And also the scale of pharmaceutical companies has led to incredible advances in our ability to treat. And in, in some cases, I wish it were more prevent disease. Uh, keep people alive in circumstances where they previously would have died. Like that's all. All of these things can be true at the same time. But there are numerous examples of investigative journalism, news organizations doing in-depth uh, investigations into the practices of pharmaceutical companies. We've seen what's happened over the last 10 years with reports about opioids and um, the, the ways in which the pharmaceutical companies have lobbied and pushed for more prescribing, even though they knew that these were highly addictive. These things are featured on mainstream news programs all the time and independent programs as well. In 2020, CBS News had this major investigation about uh, the cost of prescription drugs, and they actually interviewed pharmaceutical executives, industry experts, patients who couldn't afford medications. NBC News in 2019 had a major series about the opioid epidemic, and they interviewed families that were affected. They, they did investigations into how pharmaceutical companies were promoting the use. 2018, ABC had another one uh, about um, uh, opioid. There are all of these examples. So what they want to do is normally they say, let companies do whatever they want. Don't don't limit them, don't regulate them, whatever. But now that we want to talk about supposedly dangerous covid vaccines, which weren't dangerous, which aren't dangerous. Now, all of a sudden, it's you're owned by the pharmaceuticals and nobody can talk about it. And it's all everybody's being silenced and whatever the case may be. Carrie Lake is fundamentally not a serious person. And my hope is and from all of the data I've seen. Uh, she has a shot at being senator if she runs. My hope is that she is soundly defeated 
2024, if indeed she runs for the Senate in Arizona, much more soundly than she was defeated by a much larger margin than she was defeated in Arizona in 2022 running for governor. And quite simply, she lost. The person who got more votes is now the governor, and that's the right outcome. The latest in a series of uh, attempted replacements for fired Fox News propagandist Tucker Carlson is Donald Trump's own former press secretary, one of the most dishonest people in the Trump administration, Kaylee McEnany. She gets this week to try replacing propagandist Tucker Carlson. Her first episode last night was a pathetic joke, the likes of which you would find at the bottom of a barrel, a media barrel, a proverbial media barrel. She opened her own show by showing some of her speech at the 2020 Republican National Committee. I'm not going to play it, but we're just showing you, you know, a screenshot from that. Her first guest was the Texas Attorney General, and he was on not to talk about we've got to do something about guns. We've had this terrible shooting in Texas and Allen. No, 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 no. The Texas Attorney General appeared with Kaylee McEnany, Ken Paxton to talk about how bad gender affirming care is for trans kids. And then this was really just the cherry on top, I guess we would call it. Former Democratic Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard appeared to call trans people mentally ill and essentially say that there's no such thing as trans. She says really crazy things here. And this is one of the most disgusting, one of the most disgusting Tucker Carlson fill ins that I've seen so far. Let's listen to the last real liberal. Remember when all these supposed leftists were saying the only real left winger running in 2020 is Tulsi. Listen to this. Well, Kaylee, th this should give us some hope to see that there is still some sense of, of common sense and sanity in our society, because mm -hmm. this is the real question that we, the American people, are being faced with. Is it? We have leaders in the Democratic Party, unfortunately, and those in our society who are, are pushing this fantasy. They're asking us to take something that is clearly not real and believe that it's real. They're asking us to take something that is very clearly a mental. It's not real illness that creates this delusion where you have people saying, well, I'm a man in a woman's body. And what's weird about the mental illness thing is that for a long time, homosexuality was very clearly a mental illness in the DSM, etc. And then we sort of like came to our senses and realized just about every animal species has a percentage of uh, what we would call um, um, uh, I don't know if the term homosexual is used for other species, but you understand what I'm saying. And then we realize, oh, actually, like there's there's this isn't a mental illness. We should try, stop trying to like treat it with medication or convert people out of it because that's crazy. And and so that was revised. And so now she's just going with, well, this is clearly just a mental illness. Vice versa. And then doctors committing in the case of children, especially this medical malpractice, trying to turn this fantasy into reality and creating incredibly oh. negative short and long term consequences. Both. This is nuts. OK, Tulsi is nuts physically and psychologically. And so that's really the question that we, the American people, have to to ask ourselves and to answer is, are we going to live in a society of common sense and reality or are we going to buy into this insanity uh, and this fantasy? Are we going to allow? And this is one of the reasons I left de the Democratic Party. Is right. Now, we know why she left. We have the Democratic Party of today uh, selling this fantasy and and catering to it and, and giving credibility to this fantasy, the, these mental delusions, all because they think it'll give them more political power, a, a party that is willing to do anything, especially things that are damaging to children. Right? This is so crazy. The idea that you're going to get the, so this. So uh, I don't even know where. So as far as the Kaylee filling in for Tucker, it's a joke. It's just terrible. But she was better than some of the people who have tried so far. But the, the content was just absolutely disgusting. The idea that it, I don't know at this point what the prevalence of uh, of trans is in the general population. And part of it is, are, are we actually correctly assessing that number? Is everybody even kind of willing to say it? Or, but it, it seems like it's extraordinarily small, under well under one percent. The idea that the Democratic Party has this brave and bold, exciting strategy to gain political power 
by catering to the to, I'm using their terminology by quote catering to the quote delusions of a tiny, 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 tiny sliver of the population. It's just a very stupid strategy. And obviously that's not what it is. It's about a reaction to the right's attack on this marginalized group of people. That's what we're dealing with here. So Tulsi's lost her mind. Um, the Tucker replacement fiasco is not going well. And we'll continue following it to see what happens with Fox News. They've got another at least one more lawsuit, at least two more lawsuits they're dealing with, maybe three. We will follow it. All of the clips I played here for you, you can find them on our YouTube channel. You can find them on our Instagram, on our TikTok. They're really almost too available, to be perfectly honest. If you're looking for the perfect Mother's Day gift, our sponsor Aura Frames creates incredible ultra quality digital frames for displaying pictures and videos. You can preload the frame with your favorite memories, pictures, videos for mom to see when she opens it up. You can update it with unlimited photos and videos from anywhere using the Aura Frames app. No fees ever, no limits on storage. Aura Frames was voted the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, the strategist and Wired magazine. My mom loves the frame I gave her. I also have an Aura Frame in my house. When we were just traveling, I was able to immediately add pictures which pop up on my mom's frame. And I've noticed the photos look like real prints, such high resolution, and the display is calibrated so that you can not even tell it's a screen. Aura Frames has an awesome Mother's Day deal for my audience. You'll get up to $30 off their best selling Carver mat frame and free shipping. Go to AuraFrames.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for $30 off the Carver mat and free shipping. The info is in the podcast notes. People often ask me about my daily routine. You know, I'm interviewed about the David Pakman show. How do you do it? How do you do this? And like daily routine just often comes up. And how do you stay healthy? And of course, I talk about exercise and I talk about eating the right diet. But one of the things that can happen if you are not eating the right diet or you're traveling or life gets in the way is you end up with some kind of vitamin deficiency. A daily scoop of AG1 from our sponsor, Athletic Greens, makes this super easy to take off of your list of things to worry about. One scoop of AG1, you get the entire day's worth of 75 high quality vitamins and minerals from whole food sourced ingredients. AG1 is cheaper than dealing with a bunch of different supplements. It's infinitely more convenient. You just take a scoop before you have your coffee, for example, as I do in the morning and you're covered for the entire day. Many of my friends love AG one. Anyone I mention it to seems to get hooked. When I go on vacation, I bring the AG one travel packs with me, especially because I'm not always eating the same diet when I'm traveling that I do at home. Staying properly nourished. So important to feeling your best. AG one just makes it really easy and very convenient. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Pacman to get a free year supply of vitamin D. I've talked about vitamin D so many times, plus five free AG1 travel packs. That's athleticgreens.com slash Pacman for a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. The link is in the podcast notes. Today, we welcome to the program Democratic Congresswoman Barbara Lee, representing California's 12th congressional district, also a candidate for the Senate seat currently held by Senator Dianne Feinstein. Congresswoman, really a pleasure having you on. I appreciate your time. Nice being with you, Dave. So, I mean, just to start with some of the things that are that are going on right now, yet again, we find ourselves in this position of talking about the debt ceiling and are we going to default and who's posturing politically and for what different reasons, J just as someone who's been through a number of cycles of this. Is this even remotely interesting at this point, or is it just a feeling of exhaustion that this has to happen time and time again? No, it's not a feeling of exhaustion. I feel like uh, that the Republicans, especially the MAGA Republicans, have politicized this to the point where it's it's confusing oftentimes to, to the public. When you uh, incur debts, and remember, uh, a large portion of these debts were incurred under Donald Trump uh, with his tax giveaways to corporations and the mega rich. When you incur your debt, uh, you're obligated to pay it. And uh, when you buy a car, you uh, pay your car note. 
if you default on your car note, they repossess the car. And then if you go to get another car, the interest rates will go up if, in fact, you can purchase another car. And, and so why they're uh, politicizing this uh, is primarily to speak to their base and to the MAGA Republicans who want to basically uh, take away uh, and cut Social Security, cut veterans' health, cut uh, Medicare, all of the uh, cuts that they want to take place around using people's lives, really, as hostage uh, for the debt ceiling. And that's unacceptable. We must pay our bills. Then we talk about how we negotiate around the budget. Uh, I'm a member of the Budget Committee and the Appropriations Committee, and that's the process that should be uh, used at this point. Do you operate in Congress with the belief that something like the debt ceiling debate, which feels so distant to the lives of so many Americans who just they go to work, they might bring kids to school, they're living their lives. Do you operate with the belief or assumption that something like the debt ceiling debate can be used both positively and negatively electorally or that it's the type of thing that just turns people off? Well, I think people need to uh, understand the dynamics. When you talk about debt ceiling, uh, we have to break it down. And I looked at uh, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, the speaker's district. I mean, thousands of people will lose jobs. Thousands of people in his district will lose their veterans' benefit. Thousands of people, uh, their uh, retirement savings will be uh, cut by at least $20,000. So thousands of people in his district alone are going to be impacted. Uh, when you look at child care, when you look at uh, early childhood education, when you look at uh, college education, young people need to have college that's debt-free. It's going to cost a heck of a lot more for young people to go to college if we defaulted on the debt. So this has real impact on people's lives. And that's why we're fighting so hard as Democrats to get these Republicans to understand we must pay our debts. We didn't have this issue uh, under Donald Trump. I mean, I think we raised the debt ceiling, what, three times? Uh, and that, you know, the Republicans were, were fine. And so this is a political issue. They're trying to uh, cater to the base, to Marjorie Taylor Greene. And they really don't care about whose lives that they're hurting. But believe you me, Republican lives in Republican districts and red states and blue states, people are going to be hurt in a big way if, in fact, we don't do this. Congresswoman, with the benefit of hindsight, we're now able to have quite quite a precise conversation about something like Afghanistan. If we go back to the moment decades ago when you were the only member of Congress to vote against the authorization of military force in Afghanistan after 9-11, and we now go to Joe Biden carrying out some version of the plan Donald Trump wanted to carry out to get us out of Afghanistan, which, while not perfect, I believe was absolutely the right decision. What can we now say in some total about that now that we have this these two decades going back to your vote against that authorization all the way through to the exit, although some contractors remain? What, what's the what's the retrospective on Afghanistan? Well, first of all, yes, I voted against the authorization because it came three days after the horrific attack on our country. First of all, thousands of people were dying. Still thousands of people uh, are are dealing with the health impacts of what took place. Uh, and it was a 60-word authorization three days after this horrific attack that authorized not only President Bush, but any subsequent president to go to war without coming back to Congress. That's unconstitutional. I mean, we debate and authorize or not the use of force for specific actions, not giving the executive branch Congress's, which is the people's voice, authority. And there's no way I could vote for that. That was overly broad. It, it, was, uh, it set the stage for perpetual wars. Fast forward to today. We uh, have uh, used this, the administration, all administrations since the Bush administration has used this in, I think, 19 or 20 countries, uh, non-related to 9-11, 41 times, even, uh, and the Congressional Research Study provided a declassified report. Uh, it's been used for domestic surveillance in, in our own country. And so uh, this is, was overly broad, as I said it was. Uh, we needed to debate and come up with an appropriate response. I'm not looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. I mean, I know we have to uh, have some form of a response, but you have to have a rational response that's appropriate, not three days after while people are mourning, grieving, and, and angry. And so now I'm trying to repeal this authorization. 
and I've got bipartisan support to do that. What uh, the problem and the sticking point is there's some who want to uh, repeal and uh, replace. But what do you replace it with? <laughs> the president has to come to Congress to have an authorization to replace whatever he needs the authorization to use force for. So my repeal authorization stays in place for eight months. If the president determines he or she needs an authorization to go to war, come back to Congress, we'll debate it and provide it or not. What's your view on the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which, you know, it it wasn't perfect, but I believe it was the right decision. Uh, there was there were a number of criticisms made of Joe Biden's withdrawal. But when the former president, Donald Trump, was initially asked what he would have done differently, he wasn't really able to articulate anything that he would have done differently. So it seems that maybe there would have been some chaos no matter when it happened. What's your sense of it? Well, my sense of it is that it had to be done. And yes, it was chaotic. It wasn't planned. But remember, this was set up by Donald Trump. Yes. And be made. And so uh, President Biden did the right thing. It could have been done uh, in a more organized fashion where uh, we could have, uh, I think, uh, done the, it could have really provided a better uh, safe passage for those, especially who protected U.S. troops and who supported the U.S. in, uh, in Afghanistan, uh, the Afghan population. Uh, but he had to do this because in most military officials will tell you, uh, we'd be there 20 more years and then 20 more years. There was no military solution in Afghanistan. And so why would we stay there another 20 years? Uh, our young men and women served bravely. Uh, we lost a lot of troops. Uh, a lot of our young men and women have uh, health uh, impacts uh, that will be with them for the rest of their lives. Uh, we have to make sure that they have the type of medical care, employment, and uh, support that they need, which, uh, of course, the Republicans are reticent to give uh, and, and to support. So, yes, President Biden did the right thing. No, it was done. Uh, well, no, it was not done in an orderly way. But the historical context has to be looked at and what Donald Trump promised and how uh, President Biden had to execute right away. Uh, and that was what took place. Congresswoman, I want to talk a little bit about the Senate race that you're involved in right now. This is a very interesting race. We we've interviewed uh, Adam Schiff, your colleague and opponent in that race. We hope to speak to Katie Porter, also your colleague and opponent in that race. You know, I get so many emails about that race. And one of the big concerns that people have is that there are three congressional seats here that are going to be vacated which hopefully would be filled by Democrats all for one Senate seat, which also if Dianne Feinstein were to resign, at least in the short term, Gavin Newsom would get to appoint someone. Gavin Newsom has said if, if he had that opportunity, he would appoint a black woman, uh, Adam Schiff, very nice guy, not a black woman, Katie Porter, same thing. So talk to me about the dynamics of this race. Are there discussions? within the halls of Congress about the fact that these three California House seats will be up for grabs. Talk us through it a little bit. Well, I'm very focused on my uh, race. First of all, I have a, a very strong Democratic district, so I'm confident that we will elect a, a Democrat uh, in the 12th congressional district. And yes, I'm running. I uh, was one of those that the governor had considered when, once uh, Vice President Kamala Harris re resigned. Uh, and of course, uh, the governor uh, appointed, who is a good friend and doing a great job, Senator Alex Padilla. Uh, but the governor did say, if he had an appointing authority, that he would uh, appoint an African-American woman. But let me tell you, I um, am running. And, and going back to when he said that, there were two African-American women at the top of his list. One was, uh, at least we heard that, was Mayor Karen Bass and myself. But I decided uh, when, I, after I talked to Senator Feinstein in December, uh, that that uh, she was going to make her announcement very soon, whether she was going to run or not run. And I waited until she made her announcement that she was not going to run. That was in February. Of course, my opponents were running already. Yes. But I waited. I filed the next day after she announced she was not running. And I'm running. And I think that my experience, my background, my lived experiences, as well as my experiences as a negotiator and as a, a progressive black woman, and as someone who fights not only for uh, marginalized communities, but for everyone, for the middle class, for working families, for people to have 
the quality of life that they deserve, an economy that works for all, people who have not, are not been seen. You know, here in California, we have 20% 20, 20 of our population is one paycheck away from poverty. No one in the Senate is fighting for the poor and low-income people and working families. You don't hear that debate. You don't hear the debate around climate change that uh, and, and addressing climate the climate uh, crisis with uh, environmental justice as part of that in terms of what we do to mitigate the harm of low-income communities. Uh, I um, am running in this race on a platform to talk about inequality and housing and, and my shared experiences. I had uh, an abortion when I was 15 and a half years old. I co-chaired the Pro-Choice Caucus. I fought to end the Hyde Amendment. Uh, I, had, I talked about what happened during my abortion. Not only uh, did I do that well, I did that because finally with the Texas decision, I felt like the public should know that there are members of Congress who have these shared experiences. And I uh, am fighting now to make sure that we codify uh, abortion care into uh, law. And so I have many, many experiences as a small business owner, former small business owner, as a person who started community mental health center. My background is uh, mental health. I'm, and my MSW, psychiatric social work, and mental health is a big issue here in California and throughout the country. And so I think my experiences, my ability to negotiate, my standing strong, sometimes having to take on my party when I think they're wrong. And um, I have uh, courage enough to do that because this is who I am. And uh, of course, there are gaps in the Senate. There are no black women in the Senate. Uh, that perspective, the experience, uh, representation matters, David. Representation matters. It seems there are basically three storylines that are playing the largest role in what are still the relatively early days of this campaign. One storyline is identity, as you talk about. A third storyline is who is the true or most progressive. And the third storyline is experience versus age and sort of like what the voters are are looking for. It seems as though this could get a little bit awkward in the sense that I know you get along well with your colleagues from from California. It, do you have some conversation where everybody says, hey, let's keep this clean or or it strikes me as the type of thing that could become awkward? Well, I don't think it's going to be awkward. I mean, it's a campaign, right? Yes. We're all, but uh, believe you me, I know for a fact myself, people don't like uh, campaigns where uh, you're hidden below the belt. And I was always and I was mentored by. Congresswoman uh, Ron Delves. Uh, I worked for Ron for 11 years. He was the first black chair of the Armed Services Committee. And Ron always told me, and, and everyone on his staff, you debate the policy, you debate experiences, you debate what your, your historical context and how you're going to use that for the future to make lives better. You don't hit below the belt. You don't go personal. You don't. So, uh, no, I, I don't do that. I mean, I'm going to defend myself. Yes, if there are lies told about me, I mean, come on. But uh, I don't think it's an awkward campaign. It's a, this is a democracy. People put out their record, who they are, what they stand for, what they've done, and what they're going to do in the future. And then people vote based on who they think will best represent them. Well, I'll tell you, a campaign based on policy sounds so refreshing, given the context in which the Republican Party has abandoned even pretending to talk about policy. So that, I think, would be welcomed by by many, many voters. Uh, we wish you the best in the campaign. We've been speaking with Congresswoman Barbara Lee representing California's 12th congressional district. I really appreciate your time and insights today. Thank you, David. Nice being with you. By now, all of us know how creepy it is to talk to a friend about something and then get ads that are related. When you use a free email service from a big tech corporation, your emails are scanned, even if you're emailing your spouse or your doctor, which is why I recommend Startmail, the email service that never scans or analyzes your email. Our sponsor Startmail also lets you create unlimited email address aliases so you don't even have to give out your real email address. This protects you from spam and phishing attacks. Phishing attacks are becoming way more sophisticated with the rise of chat GPT, by the way. Startmail lets you encrypt any email you send, even if the recipient isn't using encryption. Unlike the big tech email services who store even your deleted emails, when you delete an email in Startmail, it is gone. Migrating from your current email service to start mail is just a few clicks. So what are you waiting for? Stop letting big tech corporations spy on your email. My audience gets 50% off your first year. 
at startmail.com slash Pacman. That's S-T-A-R-T-M-A-I-L dot com slash Pacman for 50 percent off. You can find the link in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors is Shortform. Shortform makes the world's best guides to nonfiction books. And not only does Shortform summarize each nonfiction book itself into key points that you can cover in just a few minutes, they have all sorts of interactive exercises to help you apply the ideas to what you've read to retain more. The guide to each book also includes intellectual insights, comparing and contrasting the book to other prominent books about the same topic so that you can contextualize the book and understand the controversies and the disagreements. They also have books across every nonfiction genre from economics and politics to science and health. I was recently checking out James Clear's Atomic Habits on short form. Of course, they have the guide, but they also have highlights. They also include other similar books about habits and developing a routine with differences and similarities. Super, super useful and a lot more than just a summary of the book. There are new guides and articles released every week and short form is giving my audience a free trial plus 25 percent off a subscription, which is a $50 value. So for the price of a book per month, you get access to thousands Go to shortform.com slash Pacman. You can find the link in the podcast notes. All right, let's continue with a couple of other stories that I want to mention to you. The George Soros anti-Semitic media control conspiracy theory is now coming out forcefully from the mouth of the failed former president, Donald Trump. Trump's campaign in an email fundraising email now suggests that George Soros controls the media. This is an email that went out. I believe it's yesterday. This is from Trump asking for money. And there's not even the pretense anymore that they are doing anything short of just completely adopting the standard hardcore right wing conspiracy theories. Trump's fundraising email writes, friend of all the vile witch hunts and schemes, the radical left Democrats have concocted since I first came down the golden escalator. This one may truly be the most despicable because they're not just trying to silence me. They're trying to cancel out your vote. Soros and his globalist cabal. Remember that globalist is often used as a, a catch all for Jews when you can't when you can't say Jews. Soros and his globalist cabal are attempting to buy out the media, control the airwaves and guarantee crooked Joe Biden whatever coverage he desires. Then they source a headline from the Western Journal, not exactly uh, the Associated Press, which says Soros group preparing to swoop in and buy major media company out of bankruptcy report, which um, uh, is a completely different thing from we're trying to control the media and give Joe Biden the coverage he wants. This is your standard generic anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. And what you know, people who look at this stuff closely and have been following it for a long time as we have, you understand that this is all about some people just work in media, but the Jews conspire to control the media. And that's the kind of kernel that's at the heart of many of these anti-Semitic media control or control banking. That's another one. Soros and uh, whoever else they're controlling banking. It's not just, oh, there are groups that are different, differently represented in different industries. Oh, OK, well, we could talk about historical reasons why that is no big deal. Great conversation. We've had it many times. No, it's about the cabal, the globalist cabal, Soros and other Jews. You have to understand that that's what's what's under the, the surface here. Working together to their benefit and to the detriment of everybody else to control the media, et cetera. So we don't have to spend a lot of time on this in the sense that I know many of you already know and understand this conspiracy theory. It doesn't need to be explained to you. And those of you who at this point insist on denying that that's what this conspiracy theory is, I'm certainly not going to be able to convince you. But the news is, for lack of a better term, Trump now overtly doing this in fundraising emails. New possible issue along the lines of it's not the crime, it's the cover up potentially afflicting Donald Trump. It is now being explored 
whether Trump provided doctored Mar-a-Lago security footage. Now, let me back up and remind you what this is about. We saw Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Um, some call it raided. A search warrant was served. Uh, people often get very upset if you use one term or the other. They are often used interchangeably. A search warrant was indeed served at Mar-a-Lago uh, related to classified documents that Donald Trump was asked to return and he didn't. And it's a major, major investigation that we've talked about before. One aspect of this is security footage. And there are now questions as to whether parts of the security footage were removed or doctored by people working for Donald Trump. A couple articles about this Esquire reports special counsel Jack Smith has a few questions from Mar-a-Lago security. For example, what happened with the handling of surveillance footage they subpoenaed? Uh, Charlie Pierce wrote this article and says, Lordy, there may be doctored tapes, at least according to CNL, CNN, special counsel Jack Smith has his special suspicions, quoting. The handling of the footage and how employees within the Trump organization responded to the Justice Department's demand for it have prompted a new round of grand jury subpoenas to top Trump employees in the last few weeks, sources told CNN. Longtime Trump Organization executive Matthew Calamari and his son Matthew Calamari Jr. are expected to appear before the grand jury investigating possible mishandling. Prosecutors are expected to ask them about the handling of the surveillance footage and Trump employees' conversations following the subpoena. Possible mishandling is prosecutor ease for we've got these techies, you see, and they're very good and they have some questions. The question here is about whether the uh, video uh, surveillance footage was indeed doctored. Yahoo News, uh, sorry, CBS News via Yahoo Life also writes about this security camera video from Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort under scrutiny. So we've heard this term before this, this term. It's not the crime, it's the cover up. That really could play a major role here. And in fact, as, as we've talked about before, this has really been a theme of much of the uh, uh, many of the troubles that Donald Trump has had since he became president. Um, even if we go back to the Mueller probe, the Russia probe, as Trump calls it, Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, if from day one, Trump had merely said, uh, I will cooperate with your investigation. We did nothing wrong. I am now president. I'm focusing on running the uh, uh, the country. And I will not be making any public statements in order to not prejudice or, or influence or meddle with this investigation. Ninety percent of the Mueller probe would not have taken place. A lot of what ended up happening was self-inflicted because Donald Trump couldn't keep his mouth shut. And similarly, um, you know, you, you've got the handling of the documents themselves, and that would be adjudicated, investigated, potentially adjudicated in the future. But if indeed the security footage showing documents being moved around shows uh, that the documents were deliberately hidden. Then you've got layer one of the cover up. And then if you've doctored the security footage of you trying to hide the documents related to the original inquiry, we've now have we have a second layer of cover up which could play a major role. So we will watch it. That's the latest suspicion from the special counsel. And we will see what comes of that. Steve Bannon is now going after me on his program. Let me give you the backstory about this. We did a segment um, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was about an actual crazy person, as I described her going on Steve Bannon's program and talking about all of the horrible things that the Satanic Temple is doing. Now, as I've talked to you before, the Satanic Temple is not a scary organization. The Satanic Temple is no less valid than any other religion, first and foremost. And it turns out that the person uh, uh, fear mongering about the Satanic Temple on Steve Bannon's show was actually a sister, Mary Beth Bannon. And uh, Steve Bannon seems to be increasingly obsessed with the Satanic Temple stuff, but he now has gone after me. So here's the start of a clip from I guess this was uh, three days ago on his show. He interviews some guy about the Satanic Temple stuff, and then you'll see that they cut to my segment about this. Okay, here's just a few seconds. Isn't the issue? You got these parents, and it just takes a couple of kids because the way they're selling that. We played the jingles on uh, and showed the videos on Saturday. I think my sister was here. She she brought it up because a lot of people she knows worried about this. Right. They make it into self empowerment. They, they okay. So that segment in which he brought his sister on is uh, the segment that we critiqued. So then, as you can see. 
he actually plays my segment and we're going to go to the end of it. You've already seen my segment and it's available. I don't think we actually need to play the whole thing, but here's the end of it. And then it goes into Bannon attacking me. Take a look clear that there are certain things that it's not just a difference of opinion. It's right. not it's 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 something much more pernicious and more than that. Okay. And we have to we're, be we're, we're going to that's that's brother. That's brother Dave Pakman. Uh, he's got a, a show. Mm. True. And that's his analysis. And, and we're doing this as a, as a teaching exercise. Many of you remember that interview from a couple of weeks ago. But we also played the Liberty Council who came on afterwards and, and talked. about. Everybody's this. very worried about the Satanic Temple. This is a real thing. It's not mental. But you see how the left, what they want to do immediately, they, they don't want to address. They never want to talk about what the thing is. They never now, unfortunately for Steve, we've talked about what the thing is many times. We've interviewed Lucian Graves from the Satanic Temple at least once. Now, I don't know if it's once or twice. It's been a while uh, that we've been doing interviews. Uh, we have gone into detail about the ways in which the Satanic Temple compares and contrasts to other religions. We've talked about the principles of the Satanic Temple. We have talked about the thing. But Steve Bannon doesn't want you to know that or doesn't know that himself. I want to talk about what the issue is. They all they always want to. Um, uh, do an end around or do it mm. a a a, 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 a something to, to take your eye off the ball. Oh, right. We're not going to fall for that. Oh, we know that the satanic clubs and the Liberty Council has a different viewpoint than many of the parents that are in these school systems have. Okay. All right. So anyway, listen. Uh, Steve Bannon is welcome on this program quite literally any time. I'm not super interested in talking with him about the Satanic Temple, but I guess if that's what it takes to get him on, I'm willing to, to willing to do it. There are many other things I would like to talk to Steve Bannon about, including his role in bringing forward one of the most disastrous presidencies in the history of the United States, certainly in the last 50 years. Um, he's welcome on the program quite literally anytime. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's a caller asking, why didn't I do heavy promotion of the Lex Friedman interview that I did? Take a listen. David, it's Alan from Jersey. I'm online and I see you did an interview with Lex Friedman, yeah. the world famous Lex Friedman of the Lex Friedman podcast. I can't believe when did this happen? How did this happen? Where did this come from, David? Such a big, you know, earth shattering event of this. You should have been promoting this, David. You should have told us you're scheduling it. And then after it was scheduled, you should have said this is when it's going to happen. And then say this is when, and then say it just happened and then say, it just happened yesterday and then say it happened two days ago and then say <laughs> Lex told me it's going to take three or four more days before it's posted. David, why didn't you give us every single update of every single step in the process of you doing Lex Friedman? People would want to know that type of information, but instead you gave us no warning. OK, so here's the deal. Many of you know that I hesitate to pre promote things, especially things beyond my control because sadly, they often get canceled or postponed. They never happen. And then people end up asking what happened. And in fact, the Lex Friedman interview was originally scheduled for a couple months ago, and I did pre promote it on a couple of live streams. And then it did get canceled at the very last minute. And then I had nothing. I was there. I was sitting there holding my hat, as people say. Um, so this time around, when it got rescheduled, I just didn't say a word about it in case it got canceled again. And unfortunately, this happens with interviews we do on our show, then they get canceled. Perfect example is today's Barbara Lee interview that we finally did and aired today with you. It was postponed five times. And so imagine if I had promoted right after the Adam Schiff interview. Hey, and tomorrow we've got Barbara Lee coming up, who's also running for that same Diane Feinstein Senate seat. And then I'm left holding my hat and we have no interview and then it's not clear what happened. So that's why I am now kind of cautious about pre promoting things that I don't totally control because they so often end up postponed. All right. That's why. But now the Lex Friedman interview is out. Check it out. I posted it to my Twitter. I posted it to my blue ski blue sky. By the way, are you on blue sky? Please follow me on blue sky. I think it's actually a fantastic platform. It is invite only right now, but the invites are going out very strongly. Follow me on blue sky. Um, it's on Lex's YouTube channel. It's everywhere. We've got a great bonus show for you today. Should the U.S. get rid of the debt ceiling? Is that a possible way to get beyond this periodic, predictable debt ceiling uh, uh, situation? We can discuss that on the bonus show. 
What did the California panel on reparations say about what should be done with regard to reparations? We will discuss. And lastly, the Biden administration has some interesting new plans for requiring airlines to pay stranded passengers, cover meals, cover hotels in a much more powerful way than is required right now. Does this make sense? Is it over regulation? Is it a nanny state or is it just consumer protection? All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. If you don't have the pleasure of the bonus show, then we'll see you back here tomorrow.